Our service for morning prayer begins on page three of the Book of Common Prayer. Rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without it. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. For the Venite, we will do Psalm 95, found on page 459. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and show ourselves glad in him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are all the corners of the earth and the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, he made it, and his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down and kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is the Lord, our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their hearts, for they have not known my ways unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 63, which begins on page 414. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh also longeth after thee, in a barren and dry land where no water is. Thus have I looked for thee in the sanctuary, that I might behold thy power and glory. For thy loving kindness is better than the life itself. My lips shall praise thee. As long as I live, will I magnify thee in this manner, and lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied even as it were with marrow and fatness, when my mouth praiseth thee with joyful lips. Have I not remembered thee in my bed and thought upon thee when I was waking? Because thou hast been my helper. Therefore, under the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul hangeth upon thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. These also that seek the hurt of my soul, they shall go under the earth. Let them fall upon the edge of the sword, that they may be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. All they also that swear by him shall be commended. For the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 29th chapter of the book of Genesis. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. 
And he looked and saw a well in the field, and behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there, and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to him, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. Then he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. So he said to them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. Then he said, Look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together, and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. <clears throat> now while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So he, so she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you ser therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all of the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, it must not be done and so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve me still another seven years. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So, she, so he gave him his daughter Rachel as wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, The Lord has, now, has surely looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. And then she conceived again and bore a son. And said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, now we'll praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. 
Then she stopped bearing. Here ends the first lesson. Together the Benedictus. Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou for the name of thy majesty, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the temple of thy holiness, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and dwellest between the cherubim, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the glorious throne of thy kingdom, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the firmament of heaven, praised and exalted above all forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the ninth chapter of the first epistle of Paul to the Corinthians. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war at his own expense, whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock. Do I say these things as, mere, as a mere man, or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Here ends the second lesson. Together the Benedictus. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began that we should be delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people for the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord 
who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O God, make clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Almighty God, who seest that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves, keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, who seest that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves, keep us both, sorry, Almighty and everlasting God, who hatest nothing that thou hast made, and dost forgive the sins of all those who are penitent, create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of thee the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, who art the author of peace and love of concord, in knowledge of whom standeth our eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, Defend us, thy humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in thy defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries through the might of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that And grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings being ordered by thy governance may be righteous in thy sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning. Since the second day of Lent, the day after Ash Wednesday, we've been reading sequentially through Genesis and 1 Corinthians. So I'd like to touch on both of these in order. In our Genesis readings for the past two weeks, a major theme has been patience. We began Lent in Genesis 17 with God coming to Abraham and Sarai, promising them a son, a promise that makes both of them laugh. But they eventually see the realization of that promise when they conceive and raise a son. God also promises Abraham that I've made you a father of many nations, a promise that they must take on faith because they won't be on earth long enough to see it realized. On Wednesday, God promises Isaac's wife, Rebecca, that her younger son, Jacob, will rule over his older brother, Esau. But they have to wait more than 100 years after that promise for it to be realized with the death of Isaac. 
Today, we have Jacob, Megan, and his cousin, Rachel, and working 21 years for the right to marry her and take her back to Canaan, the land promised to his grandfather, Abraham. In the process, God makes it possible for Jacob to have 12 sons, which in a single generation provides enough siblings to lead the 12 tribes of Israel. However, this morning, I'd like to focus on our New Testament reading from 1 Corinthians. We read the first 17 verses of 1 Corinthians the day after Ash Wednesday, and we'll continue on until three weeks from today when we read the last 10 verses on the Saturday before Palm Sunday. This is the first of Paul's two epistles to Corinth, and the third overall after the two letters he wrote to the church in Ephesus. Today's reading from chapter 9 starts the second half of the 16 chapters of 1 Corinthians. From what we've heard so far, there's a lot of conflict within the church in Corinth, including personality conflicts and differences over doctrine. A more lasting value, Paul addresses the behavior of those who are not living according to the commandments of the Old Covenant, let alone the New Covenant that Paul's letters are teaching to both the first century church and later Christians across the century. Nearly 2,000 years later, we are indebted to Paul, the first great theologian in the Christian church. Paul was uniquely positioned for that role. On the one hand, he spent years training at the feet of Gamaliel, the famous rabbinic teacher of the era. On the other hand, he was a Roman citizen born far from Jerusalem, modern day Turkey, which gave him the insight to explain the gospel to Gentiles who were unfamiliar with Jewish teaching. Personally, hearing the letters of Paul in the Davy office over the past nine years has helped me square the circle to wrestle with and resolve some of the complexities and seeming contradictions of the Christian faith. One of those is the question of salvation through good works versus salvation that produces good works. One of the great controversies of the Reformation that can be understood through Romans 3 and 4, as well as the epistles of Peter and James. Today, Paul is addressing head-on another aspect of the Gospels I've wrestled with all my Christian life. On the one hand, Jesus is constantly pushing back constantly pushing back against the Pharisees, who scold him for not adhering to every detail of the Jewish faith, as they understood it in first century Judea. On the other hand, Jesus says in Matthew 5.17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Today, we are in the middle of Paul's analysis, which began in chapter 8, which we heard yesterday, and ends in chapter 10, which we'll hear Tuesday and Wednesday. Together across these three chapters, Paul is reconciling the difference between what we are allowed to do and what we should do. As is typical of Paul's teaching style, he's using vivid, if not controversial, language to make his point. In today's passage, Paul is emphasizing that just because we have a right to do something doesn't mean it is right that we do it. In verse 5, he says, do we have no right to take along a believing wife as to the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Some take that as proof that Paul never married, but whether he did or not, he's emphasizing while that the apostles could and often did have the right to marry. In some cases, that might not be the right thing to do. As he says in today's reading, the, the acid test here is, is what we're doing um, interfering with the understanding or living out of the gospel? And that, in the end, is what we're called to do. Of course, in the end, Paul's great gift was not creating, not in creating God's teachings, but interpreting them, a point he made in the opening chapter of this letter to the Corinthians, which we heard on February 15th. In it, Paul emphasizes that the only way for unity 
in the church in Corinth or the broader church is if we are living our lives by the teaching of Christ and not of specific theologians or preachers. This was the crucial insight of the Reformation, summarized by the phrase sola scriptura, how the ultimate source of our faith is Holy Scripture. The English reformers established the daily office as one way to steep ourselves in Scripture. Those of us on this call this morning are living out what Paul recommends. We have a right to sleep in on Saturday morning, but that doesn't mean we should. So with that, we will return to page 18 of the Book of Common Prayer. O God, the creator and preserver of all mankind, we humbly beseech thee for all sorts and conditions of men. That wouldst, thou wouldst be pleased to make thy ways known unto them, thy saving health unto all nations. More especially we pray for thy holy church universal, that it may be so guided and governed by the good spirit, that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth and hold a faith in unity of spirit and bond of peace and righteousness of life. Finally, we commend to thy fatherly goodness all those who are anyways afflicted or distressed in mind, body, or estate. that it may please thee to comfort and relieve them according to their several necessities, giving them patience under their sufferings and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. And this we beg for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Together the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we thine unworthy servants do give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men. We bless thee for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for thine inestimable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we beseech thee, give us that due sense of all thy mercies, that our hearts may be unfailingly thankful, and that we show forth thy praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to thy service, and by walking before thee in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. O God, who through the preaching of the blessed apostle St. Paul has caused the light of the gospel to shine throughout the world, grant we beseech thee that having his wonderful conversion and remembrance may shore forth our thankfulness unto thee for the same by following the holy doctrine which he taught through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. It's great to be with you again. Thanks to Carl and Carl for making this morning's worship possible. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Joel. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you.